What's going on? My name is Louis Angel, and we're here to talk about the book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And I have the amazing privilege of having right here, we have the amazing privilege of having the incredible, the intelligent, the talented, the yoga <laughs> goddess, Miss Bianca Scalise with us. And we're going to be discussing this book. What's going on, Bianca? Hey! <laughs> I'm excited to talk about the book. I love it. I can feel that energy. I love This is one of my favorite books, actually. Yeah. I remember we were talking about, like, you know, what book can we go into? And you mentioned this. And I've had this sitting, like, on my bookshelf for the longest time. And I haven't gone through yeah. it. Um, so when we chose this book, I was like, okay, I'm going to dive right in. Dive right in. And, and, yeah, it was awesome. It was incredible. I listened to it, like, three <laughs> times on 2.5 times speed. The last time at three times speed. That's insane. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I love the book. Um so we'll talk about, you know, our takeaways, our, our insights, what we gained from going through the book and, you know, what we love, what we didn't like. Maybe there was a few counterpoints that I got. I don't know if you did when you were going through it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. let's, let's jump right cool. in. All right. So what made you want to actually pick up this book and read it? Like what got you into it? I don't know if you've, you've actually read it long before I did. Yeah, so I read this book when I was 20, um, which was about four years ago. And I actually got the book gifted to me when I went to New York to shoot these yoga videos with a mentor of mine named Brandon Carter. And Brandon gave each one of us a book. There were three interns and he gave us all a book that he felt was relevant to our life at the time. And this was the book that he gifted me. And I'm really grateful for it because I read it like twice a year um, to kind of bring everything back into perspective and see if there is any resistance that Ooh. I can confront in my life at the time. Speaking of, that's what this book is about. It's literally the war. Well, here's my interpretation of even the title, right? It's a war against yeah. our creative nature, the war that we have to face. We constantly battle every single day whenever we want to sit down and create something new, which is art, yeah. right? Our art form, whatever it is. For you, it's yoga. For me, it's whether it's writing a book or doing some memory stuff or making a video, that's like, all right, I have to finally sit down. But then there's all these battles that are trying to prevent us from actually doing that. Um, yeah. Those were like, that was my key takeaway from this book is there's always something battling against our creative nature. Um, yes. What was that for you? Like when you first got it, what was it? Uh, where were you at in your life um, mm. that like once you read this book, it like kind of changed your, or made you shift the way that you view things uh, moving forward? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had a lot of blockages um, to my creativity at the time. And the main one was like in the book, it touches on the difference between an amateur and a pro, right? And I was a complete amateur when it came to life and especially <laughs> yoga practice, because it was like, I identified so much with it. I loved it so much that I, it was me. And yeah. if I didn't deliver a perfect class, um, or if I didn't express myself eloquently, because that's part of being a yoga teacher is being able to give verbal cues right. and to articulate what it is that you're trying to express. And so if I didn't do these things perfectly, then it meant that I was a failure and, and I had failed. Um, and so I, I think that my mentor at the time really picked that up. Mm -hmm. And it was that sort of like debilitating, paralyzing um, being being that hard on yourself where it's like you you don't even want to start because you're scared to mess up yeah, yeah. um so yeah that, that's what i was dealing with a lot at the time yeah like for me it's always I, I really like that point like the professional versus amateur and then he even talks about how 
you have to essentially create a like a U Inc. U Incorporated. You have to create your mm -hmm. like corporation to yeah. kind of separate you, but also to to drive you to want to really be a master at whatever it yeah. is that you're doing. I created that. I created my my corporation literally for my company, um, yeah. AD Mind, because I wanted to make sure that this was something that I wanted to provide. Uh, for the masses and it wasn't just a hobby right it wasn't just something that i would do on my spare time when i wanted to master memory and and master my ability yeah. to memorize things i wanted to also teach others so that's why i created that corporation um i created a prof I, I became a professional around this field um yeah because when i first got into for those that don't know i, I memorized things very quickly um but <laughs> i also teach others how to do that and it was a journey to get to that that part of my life um, but really what, you know, what, what took me to the next phase was to become a true professional. And it wasn't until I, I really blocked off my time, right? Blocked off mm -hmm. my time to, to say, okay, between say six and 10 o'clock, all I'm going to do from this point, from that particular point in time is just devote my time to focus on memory training from whether it's meditation to visualization to, I have a book, a 3d image book where I just sit down and I just like, you know, see these different <laughs> the images, right. Um, and then get into my memory training, whether I'm memorizing hundreds of names and faces or thousands of digits of numbers, I know I have to put in that work, that effort. And I like how, you know, Steven talks about how we have to get to the point at times where we don't even like what it is that we're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, he talks about the military and how the Marines, they, they go into the field and they, they have to do things that they really hate doing, but that's going to make yeah. them better. Like for me, the training, I hate doing. A lot of people don't want to become these memory athletes, as they call us, because it's really a lot of work, right? Just like in yoga, yeah. I'm sure it is. And you can talk from experience, like the beginning phases, the, the learning these different moves and, and the resistance yeah. that you face from that. It's, it, it can be difficult, but you just got to push back, you know, push past that, right? For sure. Yes. Most definitely. It's funny, like when I come back home, especially because I've been concentrating on being an international teacher. So when I come back home, people will come up to me and they'll ask me like, Bianca, like this life you're living, it looks so exciting. Like, how are you getting so far in yoga? Like, how are you able to do this and that and whatever? And it's kind of like, I, I do it because I have to do it. Not because like it's it's like this incredible lifestyle and it's always like so fun and sparkly and shiny. Like, no, like yoga is my craft and I'm completely 1000% dedicated to, dedicated to it. And that decision of like, this is what I'm going to do. And it's what I'm going to do every day. And whether or not I feel like getting on the mat, you know, um, making it happen because I know it's what is going to take me further and, and, and get me better in what I'm trying to do. It's, it's that, you know? Yeah. It's going through that, you know, the struggle, like, for you, how how was the transition for you to like to to become? I know that you're we're always evolving. We're always like trying to mm -hmm. become masters at our craft. I feel like you're already yeah. a master at your craft. Um, but like, how was that like <laughs> for you to get from you know when you first started? Like, if you look back to that version of you when you first started doing yoga to where you at now? Like, you know, looking back at all the all the time that you spent, you know, per perfecting yeah. those different moves and the stretches and whatnot um yeah to compare to where you're at now like what what was that transition like for you yeah so at the beginning of my yoga practice it was really more of like a feeling of being pulled towards it right and mm -hmm. it's interesting because it's different from a practitioner like getting better actually at yoga asana or like um like meditation or whatever to being a yoga teacher like it's mm -hmm. it's a completely different experience i feel and like as far as being a yoga practitioner and in my asana practice it developed in a very natural way um but i did go through stages like at the beginning of 
of it all. It was like this excitement, this like, it was a wonderland and I got to explore. And then it went through this like very ego driven practice where it was like, okay, how can I get deeper into my, you know, touching my butt to my head or some kind of weird <laughs> stuff. And then it devolved into, and then obviously, of course, like injury happens. Whenever you're in that like insane, like I'm just going to will myself into the next phase or then like the next level when it's not the time for it, yeah. like something's going to stop you. Um, so then injury happens and then you get back to the practice with more insight and more um, wisdom, I think. And right. so, so yeah, that's kind of how my, my yoga practice has developed, but I feel like the actual, like being a yoga teacher and not only like sharpening my skills in my own practice, but being able to make money from this, right? Stephen Pressfield talks a lot about like the pro makes money and they yeah. don't feel bad about making money. Right. That was a huge journey for me because mm -hmm. at first I had this thing in the back of my mind that was like, business is evil. Like <laughs> yoga be should be available to everyone in the world for free. Right. And I, I still feel like everyone should benefit mm -hmm. from, from a practice like yoga or meditation or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, everyone has the right uh, to like exercise those things and get to know themselves in, in these different ways. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that, you know, like I don't need money for food and- Or to <laughs> travel the world. Or... <laughs> and well, my, yeah, like how can I afford my next training? Like mm -hmm. how can I afford to get better at this and more education and all this kind of thing? Like that stuff isn't just gonna happen. And yeah. so that was a huge journey for me. Right. Um, like Stephen Pressfield says in his book, it's not an, it's an inward battle. It's mm -hmm. not um, so much the circumstances or the things around that are fighting, yet you're fighting. Like you're fighting a battle inside of your own head. So oh, definitely. yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think that is the biggest battle. It's kind of in parallel to my situation as well. I've been putting out YouTube videos for years because I feel that everybody in the world should learn how to memorize how I, you know, how I learned how to memorize because it, it totally changed my life, right? So I'm putting out yeah. all these YouTube videos and then my mentor is always saying, no, you should create a course, you should sell this and charge this much money. <laughs> and I, you know, I agree to a certain extent, but then at the same time, I'm like, no, everybody should have this valuable information for free. Um, yeah. But, you know, I do make money from YouTube videos um, and people are getting it for free. So it's kind of like, it's a win-win mm -hmm. right there but now yeah. that i'm like more business oriented and i do see that people are it's more of an exchange of value right um yeah when i, sure. I discovered it, it's not that they're like giving away their money it's like okay they they have value which is that dollar amount um that they put in their work their time their energy going into their job every single day to to get that money for themselves so it's a value and they're just exchanging it for the value that you're going to be providing for your uh, for their life um so once yeah. I, I saw that shift i'm like okay it's all right for me to sell something to the people that are wanting to learn from me so that's when i created yeah. my books um so it's kind of like you know very similar to to what yeah. you're saying to what steven's saying in his book as well um i really enjoyed uh going through the book and because he breaks it up into like three main parts he talks about resistance Right. He talks about what what's what are the things that are battling against us and and what he really defines that and goes into um, how what we can do to overcome that. But then there's also that third phase, the third phase of there's something out there beyond us, <laughs> beyond our control 
that, that can help us, right? That can help yeah. us to go up against the resistance, whatever we're facing in life, and, uh, and push back that. Did you, past that. So did you find resistance when you were going through that part of the book? Did I feel resistance yeah. reading like when, that there? Uh-huh. Yeah, that there's just a universal power. Or did you feel like aligned when he was talking about that? Part? I felt one thought. I was so excited when I reached that part of the book because the first two parts of the book are so practical, so like logical as far as like you need to do this to yeah. make this happen in your life, you know? And then when it gets to the third part, that's that's the part of yoga that initially I was like in, intensely attracted to. And the part of this life experience that I really get excited about yeah. is more of like the metaphysical side and the forces and the, the things that are kind of beyond our ability to see, taste, touch, hear, or feel, you know, yeah. um, that excites me. So I loved that part of the book. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was like, yes, there are angels and muses and all of this like, sort of wind and stuff. Um, yeah, I loved it. That's what about amazing. you? How did you feel about it? I, I loved it. And at the same time, the science geek in me was like, yeah. no, it's all in our, it's all in our head. These ideas don't come and get whispered to us by angels. It's all in yeah. here. Right. So it's, it's always, yeah. it's, that's always been the battle with me. It's like, okay, I, yeah. I, I read into, you know, a lot of science books and whatnot. And I listen to a lot of people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, Brian Cox, like all these science driven individuals. And I get it from yeah. that point, but I also get the spiritual side. I'm like, no, there are things that we just, that are out there. There are things that are out there that we cannot describe. We cannot sense. We don't have a detector that we can go out and measure. Yes, I know that. But I think that like with love, right? It's not something that we can see, but we, it's more of a feeling. So when we see or, or, or we get these insights from somewhere out there, it's something that <laughs> it's more of a feeling that we get than an actual yeah. like, oh, I can actually touch it and taste it or whatnot. Um, I've no. talked to you about the, the movie I Origins, where mm -hmm. it's uh, a scientist, really, really atheistic. I don't even know if that's the term. He's a, a, an atheist. He's an atheist. Atheist. <laughs> atheist. What am I over here trying to make up words? Um, <laughs> atheistic. <laughs> uh, so he's an atheist, and he, so he doesn't believe in God, and he doesn't believe that there are any spiritual forces out there that control mm -hmm. what we do. Uh, it's all random huh. chance. So he's trying to prove that because worms, worms don't have eyes. They can't see. So he's trying to like give them vision of some sort. And then he, he becomes life partners with this girl that is very spiritual. And she's like, no, well, what if, right there, just because a worm can't see, doesn't mean that that sense doesn't exist. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing with love, same thing with something that's spiritual beyond us, just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and it's not there to influence our lives. Um, maybe yeah. one day we'll become, we'll, we'll have like a, a God detector and we'll be able to detect that for <laughs> us. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I enjoy that part. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was definitely. It's, it's like something we can never prove, but it's, it's beautiful to speculate <laughs> on and to kind of play with. So I used to have the start, right? Where <laughs> I used to do most of my work at night. Okay. When everybody was asleep, when nobody mm -hmm. was up, because I felt like that there was an energy field above us and that energy field was finite and could only be given to a certain amount of people at a time. And so everybody oh, that's everybody that's <laughs> everybody that's awake <laughs> is sucking up all the energy and all the ideas and all oh, the thoughts. Boy. So I'm like, no, I'm gonna wait. <laughs> 
till everybody's asleep so I can suck up all that <laughs> juice, all everything, right? It's all mine. Um, and I would produce like some really crazy stuff. Like I would make my best videos, write my best, you know, books and articles. <laughs> and it was a lot because of that. Um, but it was more, again, it was, it could have been the placebo effect that I'm putting. It could have been the placebo, right? yeah. <laughs> Which are very valuable in and of themselves. And it's funny, that's a really good segue to like the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. Because the beginning of the book is um, like, he's talking about, what is he saying? He's like, this is what I do. What, how does it begin? It's like, this is my day or something like that. Oh, yes, 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 yes. What I do. Okay, so he's like, what I do, and he's talking about his morning routine, essentially, right? So he's talking about his morning routine, he gets up, he takes a shower, he has a cup of coffee, he reads the paper. And these are like normal routine things, right? But then he moves into his more superstitious behaviors that he does. I think he like ties some lucky shoelaces that his niece gives him and some things like that. And it's interesting, because, like the power of ritual, I think that seems kind of like mystical and out there sometimes like rituals, but they have so much, um, they really do have so much value to them. And it's, it's interesting kind of to like examine them more from like a nerdy standpoint of, well, I mean, of course, these are things that we've chosen to do. And of course, because we've chosen to do them, we know how to do them. And because we know how to do them, when we actually do them in this certain sequence, then it gives us a sense of certainty. And so we get into this emotional state, we put ourselves in an emotional state of certainty, which then helps us to maybe perform better in whatever we're doing, whether it's writing, he's going on to write a book, or if I'm going on to teach a yoga class, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, yeah, the value of rituals, I think, is so incredible. And it's something he really highlights in his in his book. Um, and also, like, it's interesting, like the power of superstitious behaviors, too, because, right. yeah, they can have that placebo effect. Um, and that is valuable, because it gives us a sense of if we really believe it, if you really believe that if you're up at a certain <laughs> hour, you're going to get more energy from the universe to yeah. create better things, then it might give you a sense of, of certainty and maybe um, more confidence in what you're doing. And perhaps it makes you feel less anxious about doing whatever you're going to do, you know? So. Yeah. And then all, like he talks about going along those lines, like dreams. He, he mentioned a few different mm-hmm. dreams that either he's had or other people have, ha- have had. Um, yeah. Uh, whether it was like the bus drive, the bus one, right, where the lady was sitting there and then uh, they told her, I think it was a Bruce Springsteen or something like that, told her, yeah. oh, go take the wheel, right? And then that, that dream was a metaphor for her life that sometimes we have to take control. We have to just step up and go and, and, and drive that bus, or, which is our life, mm-hmm. um, and take it towards the direction that we want to go to. Um, I really like the one where he becomes like an eagle, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> where he's talking That's about funny. the eagle and, and he's flowing through it. And he's like, you see this air? You can't see the air, but you can feel yeah. the air. And it's so powerful and so incredible. Um, yeah. And this air is keeping us up right now, right? This yeah. air is keeping up an airplane. The air... Mm-hmm. It's strong, even though we can't see it. We can feel it through the gust, but we can't see it. Uh, we can't see the physical appearances of the air, but uh, it's there and it's very strong. So I don't know. I, I really like that. Do you ever have dreams where when you wake up and you're like, man, that's it. That's the idea that, you know, that's the answer to this question that I've been I've been having for a long time. Have you had those those moments in your life? Um, 
With dreams, not yeah. so much. I think I have them a lot when I meditate. Hmm. So I'm like in meditation and, you know, focusing on something like counting a number one, two, just counting my breath. And then it's some time goes by, maybe like five, 10 minutes. And all of a sudden I get these like epiphanies. <laughs> it's like they're, they're coming out of nowhere. It's like right. almost as though they're being given to me in some Whispers. way or yeah, like whispers, or I've maybe cleared cleared away the noise enough to be able to access some things that are already in there and I already knew, mm -hmm. um, but just couldn't really see. So yeah, it happens a lot to me during meditation. I wish I had like really cool dreams. Do you have cool dreams? <laughs> I do. They're like the craziest dreams. I don't That's know, awesome. maybe because I'm a very visual person and I like I visualize a lot of stuff when I'm memorizing. Um, yeah. So a lot of those like stories that I'm creating in my brain kind of come to life in my dreams. Um, and, and then I have so many occurrences of deja vu, right? Cool. Because of my dreams. I'm like, I've seen this. I've experienced this before. Yeah. I'm like, what the Actually, heck? yeah. Yeah. I've had some things like that. <laughs> that reminds me of the Matrix of the cat. Yeah. Oh, did you see that cat? <laughs> Oh, wait, that's Is a glitch? glitch in the system. <laughs> what did you say, Neo? Oh, man. Um, I was on an airplane. So I, I guess I was segue right into this. I was on an airplane yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday. And then I saw the Matrix, the movies, yeah, the, the trilogy on there. Uh, I'm like, huh, this must be a sign from the universe. Because I was listening to the War of Art. Um, and I'm like, oh, the Matrix is here. Okay. That means I'm like right where I need to be at in my life. <laughs> it's perfect. The Matrix is your the sign. The Matrix. Um, but yeah, I was like going back to um, like what I, I got out of the book. For me personally in my life, I've been facing a lot of resistance. Oh, well, this kind of counters it, right? I had this thought where we can have good resistance and bad resistance or good and evil yeah. resistance. Um, yes. Good as in we shouldn't go down this path because it's like all these signs are telling us not to. Where I think yeah. Stephen, uh, he emphasizes a lot on the fact that when you do get that, just keep pushing, keep going, no matter what the yeah. resistance is. But I feel mm -hmm. that there are times where we need to kind of step back for a moment and say, wait, we're getting, whether it's internally or externally, we're getting all these signs that we should not continue down this path. Maybe we should kind of step back aside and see why. Why am I getting uh, the resistance? Yeah. Um, and then we have the evil resistance, the one that's really trying to, you know, bring you down from finishing that book, from finishing that yoga class or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, me personally, I've been facing a lot of that where I'm taking a lot of, say, personal clients with my business um, and it's, it's pretty good money, but I'm not really focusing on what I really want to do right now. My passion is like videography, uh, filming and, and producing more content that way. And I, I took on a lot <laughs> as of late the past few weeks and I needed yeah. kind of to step away from that. And I found that as a good resistance in my life where yeah. I, I needed that resistance in my life to kind of see that this is not the lifestyle that I want. Um, yeah. I want more of a freedom lifestyle, of a, of a lifestyle of being able to travel whenever I want without having to be like locked down to something, of being more free to have the schedule the way that I want it. Um, so for me, like the one-on-one -on -one coaching wasn't aligned with my overall idea of my lifestyle um, and a few yeah. other things. So I literally just, I talked to my client. I said, look, I want to help you out and I will. Just right now, I'm not going to be able to provide you with the value that I know that I can give you because I have so many things going on and I know you deserve much more. I'll recommend you to somebody, but I'll go ahead and refund you your full amount that you paid me. And and yeah, so, you know, whenever I can, I'll go ahead and answer any questions that you can that, that you have for me. And I 
I left that client. I left a few other things that I was supposed to be doing this weekend. And I caught a, a plane flight to Hawaii. I went out to Lulu. <laughs> and I had the most incredible time of just mind, just mind expanding time that I've ever had by doing that, by, by, by following through with the good resistance that I had. And allowing myself to kind of step back for a moment and see where I was at. And during the flight, yeah. I thought, a lot, you know, I was listening to the audiobook. I was um, having thoughts of where I want my life to be at in the next year, right? Um, the yeah. next few years and who I want to be surrounded with, what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it was just the most freeing experience. So personally, that was like one of my biggest takeaways that we could have good resistance and bad or evil resistance in our lives. And I think it's, yeah. it's okay to have both, right? Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. At times the book can seem a bit like just keep persevering just like will yourself through (laughs) it and I agree at some points it's more like okay these might be hints that this is not my path (laughs) (laughs) you know so yeah definitely I think it's good to to be aware of that sensory acuity right like know kind of what's going on and um there is a point in the book where he kind of puts value on resistance and says like yes it is the enemy in a sense, but um, I think he quotes the Dalai Lama and saying that enemies can be incredible teachers as well. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's cool that there is there is value in the resistance as long as we are looking at it for, you know, the all of what it is, not yeah. just always a challenge. Yes. Right. It's not always a challenge for us to like face up against, but sometimes it's for us to say like, okay, like I'm gonna walk around this one instead of like battling it out. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's it's been like prevalent in my life a lot, um, and yeah, I completely agree. Like sometimes, yeah, we we can kind of go around it or face it head on, whatever we choose to do, or just kind of mm-hmm. move away, take a completely different path. Um, but yeah. then there are times, yeah, like his his main focus is on like really, it's it's that war of art, right? You're you're always a warrior, always battling against something out there, no matter what it is that you're doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> like in school for me it was studying right it was studying and then I, I was a very free-flowing individual where I was like this doesn't matter this doesn't mm-hmm. this doesn't represent me and I love the fact that Pressfield he, he talks heavily on that uh, it don't as an amateur versus professional as you talked about earlier like the amateur mm-hmm. like his whole identity or sh- her whole identity also can be around what she's doing at that time whereas a professional no matter the outcome he or she just loves to do that thing, regardless of whether it's going to be a success or a failure. Um, yeah. Like for me in school, it was a lot of ah, that, that feeling of I don't care. I took the professional p- approach with an amateur attitude of not doing my work because I didn't <laughs> care. But I guess, you know, you have to be able to combine the full professional embodiment like he talks about in the book of, yes, don't identify yourself with the thing that you're doing, but also yeah. put in the work. Don't just half-ass it. If you're going to be a yoga master, like put in the hours, put in the dedication, surround yourself with the right individuals to push yourself beyond whatever it is that you're capable of thinking that you're even, you know, within your vicinity of achieving and and keep going without totally attaching yourself with the identity of that, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting balance and it seems almost like a paradox for sure, where it's like, okay, yeah, like, you know, give it all you got and make this like your entire life's like mission and purpose. But at the same time, like remain the objective observer, right? Mm -hmm. Stay on the outside and kind of watch yourself in all of this so that when you do get criticism 
and or somebody doesn't like your stuff, it doesn't just break you, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. I lived a lot of time in that space of just like somebody said didn't like my yoga class or something and it just like would crush me for days and I'd be like is this really what I should be doing like <laughs> you're giving into the resistance and you're like oh I should quit definitely giving yeah. into the resistance at times but um but yeah I think that's also kind of like a point in the book too is or maybe that he doesn't address so much in the book I feel is how like finding your thing, finding your craft, because this book already has like the presupposition that you know what it is that your life's mission is for. What is your art? Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's not always so like blatantly just there for us to know like what our life's purpose is. I know plenty of people I think the majority of people are kind of like feeling like, well, I still need to find my thing. Like, right. what's my thing? And like, I don't think that we need to know what that is, you know, or be hard on ourselves for not having a thing. Um, the entire, the entire book is about really like following, following your dream, no matter what, yeah. like make that shit happen because you, you're the only one that's going to, that's going to do it for yourself. You like know? Will Smith says, and, there's no plan B, just have that plan A and go for it. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and I love that spirit of the book, but at the same time, kind of like a pretext would be nice of like, how do you, how do you know what that thing is? Mm -hmm. Um, and so just, if there is anybody listening at all, or <laughs> my mom and your mom are listening, of course, are going to love this. But, but yeah, I don't think that it always has to be like it, a lot of people think like this clear message that comes to you that's like you will be a yoga teacher, or you will be a whatever. Yeah. Um, but our things, our thing comes to us in hints. I think mm. it comes in very small nudges and small feelings and it's kind of like a trail that like nudges us this way and then like we could feel that and we that is the moment of decision right yeah. in between stimulus and response we get this stimulus that tells us like oh i kind of like that that kind of gave me a good feeling that kind of made me happy or whatever it is mm -hmm. and if you have you know you need to have a bit of courage i think to follow that and then to go into that space of the unknown because maybe it's not familiar you know mm -hmm. there was a day when i took my first yoga class right there's a day when you tried to memorize something for the first time and like it's kind of miserably. unfamiliar at first <laughs> did you <laughs> yes i can memorize like two digits maybe uh, no way <laughs> yeah let's not talk about that i just played <laughs> i'm actually curious about like the beginning of all of that but i don't know if that fits into this moment yeah yeah because i was lost right i, I didn't grow up like what you're saying um you know I, I i didn't grow up with wanting to be a memory expert i didn't grow yeah up, this wasn't anywhere in my thought process i grew up in the hood around gangsters and you know I, 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 all i wanted to do was get out of that area but i didn't know yeah. what i wanted to do maybe be an architect an engineer i still want to do something along those lines create something i guess the essence of those fields still lives within me um, yeah. Because as an architect, you're like creating something new, right? From from scratch. Uh, as an engineer, same mm -hmm. thing. You're you're building something. You're using your hands and your brain to like build something. Um, so yeah. the spirit of that still lives within me, but I didn't choose that path. Um, but yeah. So once I started getting those hints from the universe that look, maybe you should go down this path. Maybe all those years mm -hmm. of you sucking in school, they were all they were all there for a reason. It was so that you can go through that pain, that struggle. 
so that it can lead you to this this path of of overcoming that you know that pain and the struggle so you can help out others in return yeah um so yeah my initial oh man I remember picking up the audiobook and even that was like a challenge for me like actually going through the audiobook of my mentor Ron White um mm -hmm. he has this memory course going through that and, and and sitting down I listened to the first part or the first like track and I got it I memorized like a few things I'm like okay this is awesome but then when he got into more technical things I'm like oh this is getting hard never mind let me let me <laughs> stop doing it I, I don't want it I don't want this it anymore yeah I thought this was just like yeah. he was gonna wave a magic wand and psh, or take a pill and I was gonna be fixed um but yeah so I think I stopped for like six months I listened to the first track I stopped for like six months and then when I really started to feel that pain of dude I'm forgetting everything I, I got kicked out of college I'm about to get fired from my job like so many things were mounting and I was like okay, I need to really sit down and go through this. So that's when I really, um, you know, I started memorizing. I took it seriously that things started to shift. But yeah, those initial moments, I was memorizing a few things here and there and I didn't like it because of the work. So I stopped and then I went until <laughs> I fully committed and I went for it that I said, okay, I, I went up against that resistance and I said, you're not going to yeah. win. I'm going to just fight through this no matter what. And then now yeah. it's uh, been a pretty good life <laughs> up to this point. Yeah. yeah. That decision, right? That power in that decision, just saying, this is what I'm going to do. So exactly. I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I'm just reading a bit of my notes, but the the line he says about Hitler, and it was mm. easier for Hitler to start World War II than to face a blank canvas yes. or something like that. Like, oh my gosh, that is intense. Powerful. Like, so powerful. You know, like sometimes like, trusting ourselves enough to play in our own creativity and really putting ourselves out there in a way, you know, because if we take ourselves super seriously, then if we fail at being creative, then we are a failure. Mm -hmm. I identify with that. So I am a failure. But if we kind of like step outside of ourselves for a second and say, you know what, like, this is just a role I'm playing right now. Bianca as the yoga teacher is not the same as Bianca as the friend or Bianca as the the daughter or whatever it is, you know, yeah. like we're, we're constantly playing roles and that's it, it's play. Yeah. And so when we give ourselves that permission to play in our creativity, then it's all of a sudden not so much pressure Hmm. And it's just, and it's just showing up. Right. It's just, you know, but as Stephen Pressfield says, sitting down to write for me, it's getting on the mat to create a yoga flow, you know? Yeah. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's crazy because yeah. if you don't follow it, then there will be this, like, you'll, everyone's felt it like this dissonance inside of yourself where it's like, what I want to do is not in accordance what I am with what I am doing. Right. And so there's this like horrible screeching noise kind of feeling inside of you. And it's the worst thing ever. It's, you know, it's you living out of alignment. Yeah. And I think that that, that uh, dissonance is the cause of, you know, people to do things that aren't really that nice or you know even full of hate like something like hitler like did, a hitler you know? like that guy uh um Sanity. yeah I, <laughs> like for people that are listening to this right now or watching us the two people mama hi uh so the people that are listening that are like bianca was saying that kind of don't know what they want to do they don't know the purpose mm -hmm. they're still trying to search for that um within themselves or externally yeah like personally what i did was that kind of get a spirit of what overall you want to do or even like yeah. the lifestyle that you want to have and then 
find something, go out and seek it, whether it's going to do like meetup groups or just like researching or reading different books or uh, surrounding yeah. yourself with like-minded individuals. Um, and maybe they're doing something that you didn't even think about. And you're like, oh, wait, that sounds pretty cool. Maybe I want to go down this path and study that a little bit more. Uh, um, yeah. And you end up becoming, you know, an author or something like that. Right. So whatever mm -hmm. it is that your calling is, you might not know it yet, but just kind of start surrounding yourself with an idea of what you think it might be. For me, it was being around creative, that creative aura or that creative energy. Um, and yeah. that could bounce around from different things. Uh, if, if I would have been an author, uh, not an author, uh, a lawyer, an attorney, I would have been miserable. I, I wasn't going to be able to be creative, right, in that field. or Maybe, maybe not. But for me, that in my mind, I don't associate that <laughs> with creativity. I associate that with like a linear type of thinking. I think and, maybe you could be like very creative with the truth. Yeah. Like if you're a lawyer. If you're really good, in other <laughs> it words. It might not feel that good. If you're a really good liar. <laughs> <You're> really, yeah. <laughs> mm, no. Yeah, so <laughs> something like that I, I wouldn't align with, right? So if, or even a doctor, I mean, for me, I wouldn't yeah. align with the doctor. But overall, I guess for the people that are watching, listening, get an overall idea of what you feel you're kind of being called towards and find something yeah. along that path. And then once you start facing the resistance when you're there, push, push right past that. Um, and yeah. then, like he says, like towards the end, um, these gifts are gifts that are being given to you, but they're for you to give back to the world. The gifts that you're mm -hmm. going to be creating, the creations um, are going to be gifts that you're going to be able to give back to the world and uh, yeah. leave that legacy. It's huge. Yeah. Right. I think there's like there's magic that happens when you follow your dream. Mm -hmm. And that's just one, one way of saying it, right? Follow your dreams or, you know, or pursue your mission, you know, whatever language resonates with you. But there's magic when you do what you know you were made to do. Like it's it's beautiful and it it transcends any like labels. Mm -hmm. Like when you meet someone that's doing their thing, they inspire you. Yes. No matter if their thing is something that you resonate with or you like doing, like the fact that they are in alignment with the messages of their spirit or their yearning of their spirit, like what they what they were put on the earth to do, like you can feel that, you know, that integrity um, behind a person. Yeah, you inspire I do me, Bianca. Want <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't, I don't do yoga often, but so I'm not allied with that. But overall, like what you're saying, what you're yeah. doing, I'm like, she's, she's freaking killing it. She's out there. She's following her passion, her dreams, and that is, that's like, and every, like, we're hanging out with a group of awesome individuals, and every yeah. one of them, they're doing something different than what I'm doing, than what you're doing. But yeah. the overall idea of just pursuing your dreams, pursuing your passions, that gets me going every day, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes, that was like such magic, like hanging out with that group of people. It's just like, there's an energy and there's, it's just this nonstop, like being able to feed each other yeah. off of that energy. And from that energy, then you gain energy to not only use with other people, but also to use for your art. Yes. Yeah contagious for sure um one thing i do want to say about the way that pressfield kind of like creates and personifies resistance hmm. is i think it's incredibly empowering how he did that because he's sort of taking you know especially like in the personal development world there's this kind of like obsession with fixing ourselves or improving ourselves hmm. and it's like we have to first understand what is wrong with us in a sense like yeah. like you know for me maybe like punctuality is like an area of my life where i'm not super strong i think i've noticed that a few times but it's, it's all great so, 
can't be saying it. So like punctuality, I'm not like so great at. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll have like bouts of self doubt. And like in the past, I had like bouts of depression and just like little tiny things, right, sprinkled all around Mm -hmm. that are maybe like could be perceived as negative in my life. Like, sometimes people think, well, I have to figure out all the things that are wrong with me. And then I have to figure out how to fix them all individually. But I think what Pressfield does here by labeling it all is resistance, like anything that stops you from being in your flow and doing what it is that, you know, like makes you, makes you like gain momentum. Yeah. Anything that goes against that, let's call it resistance. Let's bunch them all, all those little tiny things. Let's bunch them all up, give it a name. And then like that, I think the solution to the problem becomes very easy. And the solution that he highlights is do your work, show up, sit down, do your work. And I know that, yeah, totally. And like, I think I know that for me, even if I don't, oh my gosh, like even if I don't want to get on my yoga mat and I'm just like, no, like I don't want to make time for that. I want to. Does that still happen for you though? Oh yeah. Really? Yes. Interesting. Like so much yes hmm. yeah even you would think right yeah. that my brain would have figured out by now like <laughs> bianca it feels amazing after you do like few minutes of yoga no like yeah. some days i definitely don't want to hmm. um but after after i'm on it for like five minutes ten minutes my entire perspective shifts and because of that my entire day now has a different tone to it yeah. and i'm nicer to people and i'm you know more friendly and i'm all all of the good things a little more punctual maybe (laughs) a little more maybe (laughs) no guarantees on that one but um but yeah just by doing your work by doing it is what it is that you're passionate about or you know you're here to do um it changes everything you know yeah Uh, that's beautiful and that's huge and it's empowering to to put together all of the little like issues that we might have say that it's this and and um you know, move from there. I love it. I love it. And keep uh, it simple. Keep it simple, <laughs> stupid kiss. Keep it simple. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> My favorite saying. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, man. This I I really enjoyed. It. I really enjoyed reading it. I really enjoyed while well, listening to it, um, going through it, and I I really do think that anyone that's out there that's listening to this right now should definitely pick it up. Um, the War of Art. It it's honestly. Like he gives so many great examples on you know what prog- not prog- what uh, what resistance is. It's one form of procrastination. He really dives deep into that, <laughs> right? Uh, putting things off. I'm, I'm I'm still kind of trying to battle that myself every single day. Same, <laughs> right? same here. You know what? Right? Like he he does talk about like a solution to procrastination is speculating on death. Like yeah. kind of like remembering that like or not like uh, like pondering death because. To remember that we're going to die is to remember that the idea that tomorrow is going to be there is an illusion. Right. Like one day tomorrow is not going to be there. And while we're living, while we're in this momentum of living, it seems like, you know, we can do it next week. We can do it next month. But the reality is that we are going to die. And that's something that's so interesting. And so many people find it like morbid or like not that fun to think on. But honestly, I think it's an incredible, it's incredibly empowering to make you live your best life right now. Like, don't be the person you want to be in a week or tomorrow or whatever. Like, do it right now. And I know, like, a lot of really incredible human beings use that to their advantage. Like, I know Gary Vaynerchuk, like, he'll talk about how every single morning he imagines his closest people, his wife and his children dying in a tragic accident. And the reason why he does that is so that he can be the man that he knows he's meant to be 
for them every day and to keep that perspective. Same thing with Tony Robbins. He does like his rocking chair test. He looks back and thinks like, okay, like should I do whatever it is that he's thinking about maybe doing, maybe not doing? And let me look at it from the perspective of like 90 year old me that might be, you know, about to confront death and, and think back. And was it something I wanted to do? Was it something I was proud of doing or was it a regret? And then sort of making your decisions from that space, I think is an incredibly empowering thing and yeah. kind of uh, helps live like the way you want to. That vision of seeing, you know, he talks about how we have, that access, right, during the book three part of the book, um, we have that access, yeah. that infinite power, infinite interdimensional, um, you know, energy that's out there. And I feel like with Tony yeah. Robbins, when he does that exercise, when we're going through and seeing our future, seeing how it's yeah. going to be like both in the negative sense and in the positive sense, not negative, but more of a where it can, yeah, I guess where it can lead down the path if we don't achieve our goals or dreams, everything that we yeah. want to accomplish, and then also the positive sense, like where are your kids going to be at um, in their lives if you do go after your goals, your dreams, and everything mm -hmm. else, right? Um, yeah. yeah. For me, when he when he was talking about that, how there there are these beings or this energy that's kind of timeless and boundless to to time as we have, um, they can access the past, the present, and the future. Um, I actually I, I believe that <laughs> or hardly and when we do an exercise like what tony robbins has us go through and i'm talking to even like my mm -hmm. future daughter right mm -hmm. i'm talking to my future daughter and, and I'm, I'm seeing her there and I'm, I'm like playing with her i'm pushing her on the swing set and and she's telling me how grateful she is it's all in my brain it's all in my mind but it's yeah. more than that it's a feeling i literally feel as if it's happening right here right now as, as if it's a present moment and like with what Stephen was talking about, like the, it is kind of like you're touching, right? That energy field yeah. and you're bringing it down to that present moment. Um, so I don't know that I think that's a way for me to like kind of get past procrastination as well is to have yeah. those visions in the morning and kind of mm -hmm. talk, I, I don't know, call me schizophrenic, call me whatever crazy, but I have these visions and these talks with like my future self and my future family or whatnot, my yeah. future daughter. I literally wrote at the end of my book, my first book, like an entire essay to my future daughter as if I was writing to her. Like, oh you know, my right God. Um, and, and then my, my family's like, what if you have a son? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be so upset. I'll make it happen. We'll, we'll keep going until we have a daughter. She'll be, she'll be, she'll be, she'll, she'll eventually come. Eventually come. Um, but yeah, hilarious. so like in the morning, that's how I get through those moments mm -hmm. of man i don't feel like doing anything i feel like being lazy all day and just sleeping yeah. but having those visions yeah. and that access to that extra dimension and you're able to tap into that and, and bring that into the now gets you moving gets gets you going whether it's both yeah. negative right or as in you're seeing yourself on your deathbed or positive where it's going to be the carrot and the stick thing the carrot is driving you forward um that gets me up every morning Adam. for sure yeah. yes i love that um <laughs> Actually, Juan asked me this question one time, and he said, if you had headphones on everyone in the world um, for like five minutes, what would you say to them? Interesting. And of course, I took this question way more seriously than I probably should have. And I was like, hmm, what would I say? Like, I, I'm so obsessed with spreading messages and spreading messages of love that I, my first thought was like, okay, like, I would just say love, like love as much as you can. Like don't hold yourself back. Like let go of that grudge that you've been hanging on to. Like just love people. But then I was like, okay, well, when you really want someone to understand something, you don't tell them, 
right? You yeah. ask them questions so that they can tell themselves. And so, yeah, what I would do if I had headphones <laughs> on every single person in the world and there were multiple language translators right. <laughs> is I would guide them through kind of imagining their own funeral hmm. and then imagining um, yeah, Stephen Covey does an exercise like this, um, closed eye exercise, visualizing your funeral and hearing people reading off eulogies um, at your funeral. And it's a it's such a beautiful thing because you hear your own values being read to you by your mom and everything that she said about you and by your best friend and what you would want them to say about you. Yeah. And, you know, all of those people that were closest to you and maybe just an acquaintance imagining what do you want an acquaintance to say about you? Um, I think in their speeches, you hear your highest values. You hear that person was incredibly loving. Like they were so kind, they were warm, they were fun. Maybe you want to be remembered for your integrity or your sense of adventure or whatever it is. Um, so it's, it's epic because you feel when you do that exercise with yourself, you feel a very real dissonance inside of you of the person that you're acting like versus the person that you know you were meant to be yeah. and i think that that kind of conveys the it it conveys the message hey be more loving yes. but in a way that's <laughs> a little bit more real for people imagine though that we did have that ability to just like talk to anybody like hey b that would be amazing <laughs> i would be so down sometimes Holy like moly. hey don't be such a butthole. <laughs> you would say that. What would you say to the entire world if you had headphones on everyone? Oh, that's a... I love it. Have you been asked this question before? No. Juan is not a good friend like he is to you, to me. So uh, he, he has great he, questions. He, he hasn't asked me that question. I'm just kidding, Juan. <laughs> um, boys, <laughs> boys from El Barrio. So what would I be Barrio. saying to peeps? Hmm, interesting. It's an interesting question. Honestly, I would say this. <laughs> Just because this is how I live my life, um, it doesn't matter. That would be the first thing that I would say. Mm. I don't know how people would take it, and I would try to explain to them. <laughs> 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 like what do you mean? <laughs> I can just imagine so many people being like, "Oh, what does it matter?" Cool. Like, Fine. Yeah, like. the bird. Let me go break into all these stores and just steal everything. It doesn't matter. All right, let, let me back up a little bit. Be honestly though, that's that's the way I've been living my life. Um, and I used to have these weird, weird visions even as a kid. Like I grew up Catholic, but um. Even when I was like really heavy and heavily into my religion and heavy into going to church every single week and whatnot, I would always uh -huh. have these visions of I'll be sitting. I remember this. It just hit me. So I'll be sitting in a cafeteria and there's everybody right talking and conversing with others. I would just always just sit there and smile and laugh because I would never say anything. But I would always <laughs> just sit there and then out of nowhere, everything would just be blank. And it's as if like my soul or something just like left my body for a brief moment. And I was seeing everything from a different perspective. And I just remember like saying to myself, like, none of this matters. And then quickly it would just like come back to me. I'll, I'll be back into reality or whatnot. Right. Um, wow. And I, I, that I always remember because it would, it would happen so often that like as I was going through school, that's what I would always say when a teacher would say, this is due 
such and such date. It's really important <laughs> that you do your SAT exams and you have to get into all the right colleges. And all the students around me were stressing now because they didn't get their, their B pluses or their A minuses or whatever. I'm over here just going with my D's and C's and I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever. <laughs> um, but no, I shifted that now to where if I would tell somebody that at this point in time, it doesn't matter. It's more of a like the overall outcome of what Pressfield was talking about, but being a professional, but don't mm. identify with that mm. thing, but still give yeah. it your all, right? Oh, I, took yeah. a, I took a team to um, a high school team. They've never been out of the city of like LA for the most part, like around the surrounding county and area, but like out of yeah. the state, out of the area, other than maybe Mexico. But uh, <laughs> they've never been out of the area to a different state. Um, and I went there at the beginning of the year. This was a few years back. I said, this mm -hmm. is what we're going to do. I'm going to train you guys to compete in a national memory competition. We're going to fly all the way to New York, and we're going to compete against the best memorizers in the country. And they all laughed at me. They didn't think it was possible. They didn't think that this was a reality. Uh, but throughout our entire training process, some of them were like really starting to, um, to gravitate towards the fact that they wanted to really achieve this pinnacle of success. And I would kind of tame them back to say, yes, that's awesome. I love where your head's at. I love that you want to achieve the success that, that you know that you're capable of. And yeah. it's okay if you get second place. It's okay if you yeah. get third place. It's okay yeah. if you get absolutely last place. I've done that, <laughs> and I'm still here, awesome. right? So you know, I, that 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 mindset shift I think was important to put into their heads because once <laughs> they got there, there were some events where they didn't do that great, and others where they got literally first place. And they went up there compete against the best schools. Um, but yeah. at the end of it, they're like, huh, so this is not my identity. This is not, yes, we achieved something awesome. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's all about just going out there, having fun, having a blast while we're living this life. And uh, yeah. and it's great if we achieve it. If not, we just keep going until we, we do something else. Um, so that's, that's awesome. what I would tell people is it doesn't matter and still give it your all. <laughs> and yes. don't go breaking yeah. rules and left and right. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's like actually like the part of the book where uh, Stephen talks about, I don't know if you like picked this part, but he talks about the Gita, mm -hmm. the Bhagavad Gita and how uh, Arjuna is, yeah, he's talking about, you know, be, uh, it's something like the fruits of your labor one. Yeah, like never be attached to the fruits of your labor, but you have a right to your labor. And that's really it. Exactly. It's like, yeah, go out there, put it all on the line, do do everything that you absolutely can. But at the same time, no expectation. Yeah. Like, and if you truly live from that space, then you have nothing to lose. Like you, yeah. you have everything to gain because every single attempt is just making you that much better. Right. And if you're not, you know, attached to the outcome, then it's such a win. Like you, you've just achieved the ultimate freedom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love that. It's, uh. it's so beautiful. Yeah. What are some other key takeaways from your from from your reading? Uh, I I really like the part where he cites Socrates. He says the truly free individual is free only to the extent of his own self mastery, mm -hmm. while those who will not govern themselves are condemned to find masters to govern over them. Oh my God, that is so profound yes. and insane. <laughs> Um, like what this all sort of means to me, it, it can be perceived like as quite an intense quote, but to me, like the message I get from it is trusting yourselves and doing, doing things, um, in life that align with 
what we want to do because a lot of the times we rationalize with ourselves and really what we're doing is lying to ourselves <laughs> like yeah i would i would like to do that but whatever it is yeah. um so yeah like sometimes like something really silly that i do to kind of tell myself that like uh, it, like it's kind of like an exercise of trust with myself is in the morning when I take a cold shower, like sometimes I don't want to do it. And so right before I get in, I say this M&M line and it's like so cheesy. Say it. It's the, say it's the cheesiest it. thing ever. But I tell myself, I make me do what I put my mind to. Mm. And that's from his song Rap God, I think. And it's like, I will always do what I, what I tell myself that I'm going to do. Yeah. And I do it because just really because I can and because I told myself that I would. And so by doing that, I cultivate, I think, a a trust within myself where it's like I send messages to myself that between my thought and my action, I'm going to create alignment. And because that I'm going to build integrity and because of that, I can trust myself. And so, um, so mm-hmm. I got, I've had these thoughts where, um, it's kind of like a muscle that you're building, right? Like every time that yeah. you listen to that muscle is telling you, all right, just jump in and do this cold shower or, or go ahead and get on my mat, do yoga. Um, yeah. It's like you're building that muscle of like, no matter what the resistance is, I'm going to do it. Like, I don't care. Come yeah. at me. Come at me, bro. I'm going to overcome this no matter what. Right? <laughs> Come at me, bro. Come I took me, a bro. cold shower this morning. <laughs> That's right. Nothing can affect my day moving <laughs> forward. Um, and that it builds upon it. So it gets stronger. It doesn't mean that you're yeah. not going to face it anymore. But when you do face something that is a challenge, is a challenge to you, you'll have the yeah. strength, like your buff arms, to be able to just push that or move it to the side. That's right. Look at this girl flexing. <laughs> oh, my God. Flex. So Go flex. <laughs> that's weird. Um, so it's, it's like a muscle that you're building. Whereas if you listen mm-hmm. to the counter, the, the side, the little, the De- the demon that devil, devil that's yeah that's telling you no you don't have to you know it's fine you can take a warm shower don't even shower it's fine you don't smell um, <laughs> don't shower, oh my god um, I, I mean i can't act like i haven't done that before yeah that happens to be yeah. but <laughs> um you know when you then you kind of strengthen that muscle more uh than you do mm-hmm. the opposite side yeah um but with that also do, do you feel that we're hmm we're more like computers in the sense that our minds are pre-programmed to just go about our days like robots um, mm-hmm. because of the routines that we build or yeah, do we have the ability to just change that in an instant as Tony Robbins says, right? Your destiny is changed by the decisions in that you make in a moment. Um, or is it that our... <laughs> How come? He's How? always like... Like that? Um, How come? Like that? <laughs> or... Like even Stephen Pressfield talks about this, where our destiny is set as we came out of the womb, even before that, whatever we're meant to be, that's it. That nothing's going to be changed. Or do we have the self-control um, to be able to kind of guide our own, our own way? Whether it's something as, you know, simple as taking a shower or something, something as grand <laughs> as following our dreams, our grand dreams. Yeah, that's a <laughs> grand question. <laughs> I think. Um... Like Stephen Pressfield says in his book, there's a difference between a fundamentalist and an artist, Mm -hmm. right? And so the fundamentalist believes that everything is already predetermined. They believe completely that we are humans that have fallen from grace and that we need 
sort of a master, a master like God. It's like a master archetype to run everything because we are just like these sinners, <laughs> poor, yeah. poor, helpless sinners. <laughs> um, whereas the artist would believe that we have been put on the earth to um, kind of like co-create with God. Yes. We have our own God-like power in the sense that we are creators. And I can't help but believe that. I, I feel like that's so much a part of me and my life. And it, if it is an illusion, it is isn't a really convincing <laughs> illusion that, <laughs> that I am a creator. Um, I love that power. I love that, that idea that we do have some control over at least our lives, you yeah. know, we don't always have control of, about the way things go in our lives and the external situations, but we do have control over how we react, right? There's that um, whole thing like between stimulus and response is our power to decide. Um, it's, and, and that's our, you know, that's our, that's our power. It's so beautiful. Now, uh, what about those individuals that want to quit smoking, right? But, haven't yeah. they've been smoking for 20 years and and they want to do it they want to it's it, it's something that they know that is harming them but they just they can't is that something more of where it's it is like mm -hmm. a pre-programmed thing um mm -hmm. that will require a lot of extra thought a lot of extra help externally and internally or can yeah. they just break a cigarette and say i'm done for the rest of my life right so i mean nobody was like born Come at, like this imagine just this little baby like coming out of the womb with a cigarette just like whoa that, that was intense i need a cigarette <laughs> that whole birthing process was insane Oof, so it's the, like something like smoking a cigarette is a habit that people have built up themselves mm -hmm. and it might have been an easy habit to do because um of maybe the environment you were around or something like that and everybody did it so then you did it but it's a habit nonetheless that you you made happen. Yeah. And so just like we can create habits for ourselves, which create neurosynaptic connections in our mind, which m literally program us to do those things, those behaviors over and over and over again. That's the part where we are like programmed yeah. robots or computers. But the thing is that we are programming ourselves consciously or unconsciously, yeah. right? So if you created an unconscious habit of smoking cigarettes, then, well, consciously, which this is the beautiful part, because the the laws of nature say that you, you fuck this up, you mess this up, excuse me, you mess this up. We can up. cuss, it's fine, it's our own creation. <laughs> fuck this, let's just, you, let's just cuss. You mess this up, and so now you have to build the muscle to untangle this thing right and that's what's beautiful because in that process it's not going to be an easy process but in that process of you taking away the strength of that literally taking away the strength of that neurosynaptic connection slowly breaking it apart day by day mm -hmm. that's so cool like if you haven't seen if anybody watching this if you're still watching this i'm very surprised <laughs> everybody is we have like a million <laughs> listeners and viewers right now we're manifesting um but if anybody hasn't seen that, um, that creation of a neurosynaptic connection, that the moment when you perform a behavior or you even think a thought and you're literally building these wires, these neural pathways in your brain, that's, that's it. Like that's magic. That is your power as a creator to create 
your reality in your mind. But anyways, what I was saying is that you are taking away that the power of that connection and then you're building a new habit, hopefully, right? Whether it is you're putting another habit in its place, like you decide to go running every morning Mm -hmm. instead. Or whenever you get stressed out, instead of smoking a cigarette, you go find a space to take 10 deep breaths and maybe do some like pranayama practice or a meditation practice or something like that. Or you call your friend and you vent to them about what it is that you're stressed out about or whatever it is, you know, in those moments when you're triggered, you consciously decide to form a different habit. Yes. Um, you know, and it, uh, yeah, it's not, sometimes it's not as easy as saying like, nope, I'm not going to do that today because you've like created a big, yeah, it's you, gonna, you've created. I, once I know I like that your cat is like roaming around. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, she's, she's awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, it, Tony always talks about how we have to scratch up that CD, that CD nice. run that's playing in our heads in order to put something new in there and override that, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I it, kind of along that same metaphor of are we robots? Are we not? Are we just pre-programmed beings, or do we have choice in life? Do we can we choose whether to go right, right or left? I don't know which side the screen is, but uh, <laughs> or right or left, um, or are we just gonna decide already which way to go? Mm-hmm. Um, there's different yeah. studies, and when I I won't get into that. Like let's say we are just pre-programmed beings, and let's say we don't have any control, and then there's other sides that say no we do have a choice we it's, it's all within us but i i tend to to gravitate towards more to that side that i am co-creating with god and i am you know that a part of that infinite source and at the end of the day by all biologically we are we are all star stuff we're literally our atoms are uh our elementary particles that's in that are in us that compose us right now as neil degrasse tyson mm-hmm says um, we are all a part of that star that exploded those you know thousands and even millions of years ago and yeah. we're a part of that so we're all kind of one that came about from these different explosions um, so we're all connected in some way to that higher energy that was kind of the past few years right going growing up a Catholic and um, even the past few years I tried my hardest to go back into the fundamental religious aspect of my life that I had growing up. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. Like there's so many times where I went in and I got out, I went in and got out and I mainly went in for the people because I built such a like strong bond with them. Uh, we were hanging out yeah. all the time, right? Going bowling and to the beach and taking trips and yeah. doing all kinds of stuff, uh, helping out the homeless or whatever it was that we're just hanging out and, and, and being people. Um, but just yeah. the overall ideas, our ideas would clash. I would always have to filter myself when I was, whenever I was around them um, because I couldn't talk about the stuff that we're talking about now. That was, yeah. no, that was a no-no. That's a huge no-no. Um, so I finally had to leave. But I remember growing up, um, or like when I was 18, 19, I told my friend this. I'm like, what if the Bible is just a metaphor? And like he's yeah. you know, a hardcore Christian, grew up, literally traveled the world just preaching and uh, son of a pastor. He's like, no, you can't believe that. What are you talking about? No, Jesus is Jesus. And I'm like, but what if Jesus is just a metaphor for how we should live our lives? Um, in yeah. the sense that, yes, I believe the stories and everything that he created. But what if overall as a society, we can raise people from the dead? And we've kind of done that through science and, and through doctors and the advancement of medicine. Or, you know, mm-hmm. cure the blind or whatever it is, right? That Jesus did, walk on water to our boats yeah. and whatnot. What if we're able to do that and live forever in the sense that, you know, that's a heaven, but can we bring heaven on earth? Um, 
Mm-hmm. And instead of just being an external thing, can we kind of bring that here and have peace within Earth? I don't know. That's Those are like thoughts that I always had growing up um, or yeah. like as I got into like my adulthood um, and I started researching more about science and other ideas, started reading The Secret and watching What the Bleep Do We Know and all these other movies that opened up my I mind. I still read The Secret. The Secret? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That secret, yeah, that was that was amazing. That was that was kind of like my first taste at wait, we can create stuff just by thinking about it. But there's more to that. There's work <laughs> attached to that, right? Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I believe right now, especially right now, I feel like those three years I spent back in church kind of were a little bit of a wedge in my life and my advancement of towards where I'm supposed to be at. But it's fine. It all happened for a reason. But now I feel that I am more aligned with my beliefs that we are, as you're saying, co-creators in this world uh, with God and everybody else that's around us. And we're all connected in some way. And whatever we create, it's all part of the overall plan. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I love it. it. (laughs) We can only be where we are, right? There's no place, other place that we should be. It's like we can only be where we are because it's where we are. (laughs) Or maybe I'll be in Hawaii. I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe I should be in a waterfall. Yeah, in a waterfall somewhere. Thank you, Bianca. I just <laughs> so something else that was really cool um, about the Socrates quote um, is he says self mastery. Right, mm-hmm. we're only as free. Uh, what is it? We're only the truly free individual is free only to the extent of his own self mastery. And I think a good distinction there is there is a difference between self mastery and self discipline for instance, because like the tone of this book is so much like, you know, like do your work, sit down, do your work, make it happen. And it's, it's very masculine in that sense of just like, go focus, do it. Um, I think that it's important to kind of make a distinction between mastery and discipline because sometimes people are so hard on themselves and they try to sort of like will their way into whatever it is they want to do or be Um, but self-mastery, I think it's not all will and effort. It's also an awareness, you know, awareness is uh, the first step to mastery because you have to understand what are your weak points, you know, and not being upset at your weaknesses or hating ourselves for them, but, um, finding those weak spots. So, and also even like not only not being upset with them, but honoring them because because of our weak spots, we are allowed to have strong points. You know, those, that's where we get the time and the energy um, to be able to be an exceptional in other areas. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So mastery, I think, is it's much different from from discipline. I agree. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah like those weak points i mean we're all gonna have weak spots and everything that we do um sometimes you do want you do want to make those your strengths or at least that's what my thought was with even the memory stuff like make those your strengths um yeah tony robbins always talks about that like all the great personal development gurus say what are your weaknesses focus on those and make those your strong points and that's what's gonna help you to overcome whatever it is that you're facing right um Uh and that's gonna make you that master and master at your craft um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. <laughs> There's um, another part that I really love in the book. So he's talking about how he had a failure. He did this movie and it was like absolutely horrible, but he thought it was going to be great, but everyone hated it. 
And um, one of his friends comes up to him and he's like, so you're taking a few blows. That's the price for being in the re- in the arena and not on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. So stop complaining and be grateful. And I just think like that is the best advice ever. Like, oh my goodness. You know, it's not about, it's a, it's about understanding. Are you doing it to win or, or are you doing it for the love of it? Yeah. Right. And that's, um, that's, that's so huge because I would rather be failing hard than never trying at all. Because I know that, you know, um, there's that whole saying like failure is just a stepping stone to, to greatness or to success or whatever. Right. It's the, they're all just stepping stones, but we make them that right. We, we make everything mean whatever it means to us, which is another way that we are a creator in our life. And I love that too. Yeah. And then sometimes um, we can take those one step forward, two steps back, but you just got to keep going and maybe make a a leap, make a jump, uh, from the later, learn from them and, 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 uh, make that leap forward. He was talking about Mm -hmm. how, um, yeah, he, he made that movie and, he was like so eager. He thought that it was going to sell out, you know, that everybody's going to go and watch it. And then he goes and I think he asked somebody like, what do you think about that movie? And they're like, ah, oh, it's the worst movie ever. Don't watch it. And his ego at that point kind of kicked in like, oh, no, this is, you know, I, I wasn't meant yeah. for this. I wasn't meant to be a writer. I wasn't meant to produce or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. But those are, like you said, like failures, but they're not really failures. They're just kind of things that you did and and don't be attached to that as we've already discussed don't be attached to those um the outcome of the event just know that okay i created yeah. i did my best um if somebody else doesn't like it oh well you know maybe yeah. one day I'll and it's a learning it. experience exactly and hey, it's gonna it's just gonna make you better you yeah. know i think um thomas edison <laughs> I love sorry that. i'm, stre- I'm I stretching love- i'm like <laughs> i don't usually sit down this long this girl Thomas Edison, uh, right, invented the incandescent light bulb. And he was being interviewed. Somebody told me the story. And I will like, literally, they told me it in a bar in Mexico, actually. It was one of the most <laughs> epic moments of my life. Really? I was like, oh, yeah. So, so an, a journalist was interviewing him, a younger journalist. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, he said something like, how do you feel about failing at um, inventing the incandescent light bulb over 10,000 times. And Thomas Edison said something like, I, I have never failed once. Mm-hmm. I've found 10,000 correct ways that did not work. Incorrect ways. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. No, no, correct ways. The yes, correct yes. ways that did not work. Right. And it's like, holy crap. Like, how could you have, how could he have found the way if he didn't not find the way? He found the wrong ways, you know? Yeah. And those failures guided him. The, the whole time they were guiding him. They weren't failures. They were guiding lights. They were gifts, you know? So yeah. when changing our pre, uh, uh, what is it called? Reframing? reframing. Like reframing what it is that, but you guys use that term so much and I'm, I'm barely catching on to it. Really? It's, like, it's just essentially, reframing. what is this? All right. What do you see? What do you see right now? It's a book. It's a book. What's, uh, what's here? What's the, what do you see? What are the words that oh. you see? The War of Art. Uh-huh. It's a white back with a flower. Okay. I see the creative work is a gift to the world and every being in it. Don't cheat us of your contribution. Give us what you've got, which is a quote from the book, I guess. Uh, but so it's, it's on the back. <laughs> it's on the back, but it's still the same book. It's, we're seeing the exact same thing from a different perspective. So that's reframing. Gotcha. It's just seeing, saying one thing from a different point of view. 
Um, yeah. And you can see it from a negative stance or a positive stance, right? A lot of people that are in yeah. a depression state of mind, it's because they're seeing it from that one fixed point of view where everything is wrong, everything's going to hell, there's no way around yeah. this. But if you kind of just turn it to the side a little bit or flip it, uh, do yeah. a complete 180 and see it from a different perspective. What is the good that came out of this? If there was one little ounce of good goodness that ca yeah. can come out of this bad situation, what what could that be? And I think that can get a lot of people, if not completely over depression, at least give them that edge or that push to to kind of put put them on to the right path. For sure. Yeah. yeah, there's always so many ways to look at something. It's it's exciting and it's also crazy. Yeah. All right, people, so uh, we're going to wrap it with that. We can keep talking about this, but honestly, like, look, get the book. Everybody's going to have their own viewpoints on what their takeaways are, their breakthroughs, their own personal breakthroughs. My breakthroughs when I went through this book were different than Bianca's because she's living her life and, and her life's mission in her own way. Um, literally, I just saw this, the subtitled Breakthroughs, <laughs> subconscious thing. Um, but yeah, we're all going to have our own breakthroughs, so make sure to Get a copy. I'll post a link uh, somewhere, wherever you're watching this or listening to this from, uh, so you can get a copy of that or do what I do, uh, which is listen to something on Audible at 2.5 times speed. <laughs> um, I don't you... know how you do that. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a skill. It's a talent that I've picked up. I was born with it. I just came out with like listening to stuff at 2.5 times speed. <laughs> um, it's funny. Every time, like after I'm done with that, I just start talking so fast that people are like, all right. <laughs> I know exactly what you did before. Like, uh... <laughs> this um, but, uh, but yeah, so people get the book, The War of Art. It's incredible. It's amazing. Um, my biggest takeaways were there's resistance in your life. It's going to come no matter what you do, no matter what you face. And just know that it's okay. And uh, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. Just push through. Or maybe it's a good kind of resistance that's kind of telling you that maybe you should step, take a step back and re kind of relook at your situation and see if it's if you are on the right path or not so that was my biggest takeaway is there's good there's the uh, evil resistance and there's good resistance so that's what, mm. I, that's what i got out of it that's awesome yeah <laughs> what about you b uh so one of my biggest takeaways from this book and that i take away from it every single time is i i walk away from the book feeling incredibly liberated. And the reason is because sometimes I put pressure on myself to create something amazing. I want to have, I want to do something freaking awesome that's never been done before. And it's so incredible and everybody loves it. Um, but for me, this book is a way to always bring me back hmm. to focusing on the things that I can control. Yes. I can control you know, how much I practice my craft. I can control how much work I put in. I can control um, yeah, how often I practice. Um, and the rest is completely open, you yes. know? And um, that to me is like very, it's very liberating, so. I love that. My, I used to work at a satellite TV company. I won't mention the names, but <laughs> I used to install cable. <laughs> I was a cable guy. Uh, so my supervisor used to always tell me, Luis, control the controllables let everything else just fall into place right just control what you have control yeah. over and whatever you can i mean if the system messes up if the tv the people can't get their kim kardashian show then that's on <laughs> that's on them you did everything you could to try to fix that um but but yeah so control the controllables. i love that i love that and uh people get it